these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. All right, we were we were on the fence about doing an episode today here. We got the OG Wolves guy, Judd. We got Declan in the house. Because the Wolves do play tonight against Oklahoma City. Two teams tied for the Western Conference lead, but... Uh, but Sometimes sports dad knows what's good for his sports children. He said, I think we need to have a Chris Finch conversation. There's a lot like Saturday night was about as mad as people have been about Chris Finch decisions. And so let's have a Chris Finch conversation. We can also have, there's a couple tentacles off of this and then we'll see what happens against Oklahoma city tonight. A shout out to our friends over at first equity mortgage, by the way. So uh, a few years back, I had an amazing experience refinancing my home at the time with David over at First Equity. David, by the way, a 20-year season ticket holder, Wolves and Lynx. You'll see him roaming around Target Center. But you know, First Equity is a Minnesota-based, 24 years in the market, by the way, uh, company. They pride themselves on supporting the community, treating every customer as a friend and neighbor. They work fast. They have a great reputation in the community and industry. Uh, and David won't say this, but I'll say it for him. He's been recognized in the top 1% of loan originators in the country for the last 15 years. So you know you're getting a great experience with First Equity Mortgage, femort.com, or go to scorenorth.com, keyword David. Uh, Jed, what, yeah, what was your sense? That, that game that they blew against the Spurs was people were pissed, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Now, yes. Oklahoma City just got beat by the Pistons last night, so we're kind of in the weird yeah. doldrums of the season where – Teams just get kind of bored and check out. It's just life in the NBA. So we're trying to parse apart how much of this is just like it's January in the NBA versus, oh, there's some real red flags that need to be sniffed out. So I I was actually watching the wild meltdown against the Ducks on Saturday at the X when the Wolves lost. And, you know, there's times on Twitter where there's two or three people that are, you know, pissed off. They're always pissed off, right? But the outrage that I saw on my timeline was huge it's like okay this is a lot and again this goes back to the good thing this is how many the wolves fans the wolves have when they're a relevant franchise which they clearly are right now yeah um and i finally because and i and the outrage was like finch has to go milwaukee just fired their coach blah 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 and it got to a point where i finally tweeted uh something along the lines of this is this would be over the top even for me you know because i've certainly called for coaches you can fire fired. people's asses all, all the time. Fired, yeah. yeah. The and time. I said, you know, they are. I mean, they're pretty good shape record-wise here. And then it felt like, <laughs> Phil, and this this is why I want to get your opinion and feeling. It felt like the response was that the end of the game situation was so poorly handled from both the coaching and player standpoint. Um, and th- they did lose by one. And I know I, you know, Cat took it that last shot, but there was so much outrage about that and about what Finch had done that I wanted to your opinion and feeling for the masses about one, what you saw, but two, like, was this some type of tipping point? Like if things go wrong here, let's just theoretically say, was this sort of the start of, you can go back and identify that game at the time where it became clear what Chris Finch doesn't do well. Well, I want to start by saying any talk about firing Chris Finch is ludicrous to me. Mm-hmm. You, You'd be ignoring the fact that this dude, think about the commentary. I'm now I have my, I'm talking like a president. Look, I've got my thumb pursed against my fist here. America, 
That's how worked up I am about this fire Chris Finch stuff. Now, there are some valid criticisms, and I want to get there. There is a very damning thing that happened in that game against San Antonio that is 100% on Chris Finch, and we will get to it. But let's just zoom back out for a second. A year and a half ago, the Timberwolves made a trade for Rudy Gobert. The entire NBA national media fans, locally and nationally, panned that trade as, wow, why would you give up that much for Rudy Gobert? And how could, how could this lineup possibly be effective with two seven-footers, right? And the first year was kind of clunky. But they are right now the number one team in the Western Conference as we go into February. So, like, we'll, we'll see what happens against Oklahoma State tonight. But they're going to be potentially the number one team in the Western Conference come trade deadline. Did anyone think that that was a possibility going into the start of this season? So, like, from a macro perspective, Chris Finch has brought pieces together. He's helped develop Anthony Edwards into one of the top probably 15, 16 players in the NBA. And he has gotten Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns to work as a thing. So from a big picture standpoint, he is absolutely getting this thing right as the chef. Okay. Mm -hmm. From a micro standpoint against the Spurs the other night, the Wolves played a lineup that included Jordan McLaughlin, Kyle Anderson, Shake Milton, and Rudy Gobert together for six and a half minutes. Those four guys have never played together this entire season. Those four guys can't shoot worth a lick. Shake Milton's the best shooter in this group, and he's a below-league average three-point shooter in his career, so there's no spacing. So they can't space, they can't shoot. You know, maybe they play, I think the thought was, collectively they play better defense than some other combinations, but at the end of the day, in those six and a half minutes, those four guys were outscored 21 to six by one of the worst teams in the NBA. And so, like, if you just don't put that lineup together and experiment with it in that moment, you probably don't give up a 21 to six run. And you're not in the position that you were when you bring the starters back in. And now the game is, instead of being up by 10, now you're tied. Now there's a whole clutch time conversation, too. And that Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, who cares how the game got to that point? It's basically a tie game, and you're playing the Spurs. Figure out a way to win the game, right? So there's criticism there too. But you know, was maybe Finch's logic was, hey, you know, there's probably three or four teams in the NBA that we would experiment with new lineups to see what happens, and the Spurs are one of them. Like, are we going to experiment with that lineup against the Thunder in a couple nights? No. So he might fight back from that perspective. But uh, if you aren't already following, by the way, Howls and Growls, uh, Jake Painting's YouTube channel or or Twitter account. He did a great film breakdown of this exact six and a half minutes showing, hey, you got non-shooter in this corner, non-shooter in this corner over here. And so the Spurs are just ignoring those guys and pinning down in the paint on the pick and roll action. Like the spacing issues and the shooting issues, even when you have some of your best players on the court are a problem. But when you take those guys off the court and you're putting this lineup out for six and a half minutes, I know the Spurs are bad. But that was waving the white flag in a game that you didn't need to. Super, super weird lineup. So macro, Chris Finch, good. Micro against Spurs in that moment and throughout times this season, getting these guys to space better, bad. Bad Chris Finch. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said then, like are there – yes, in that game it was obviously a bad decision. But are there like red flags with Finch? Because I keep seeing Wolves – Twitter talk about, you know, his late game and he does this wrong. And he like, are, are there long-term concerning things that you see him do 
that you sort of cringe at and think in a playoff game, that's going to cost you. I'm going to answer that with data and then we can parse this. Okay. So our guy, Jace Frederick, who's been a friend of ours for a number of years, and he covers the Wolves beat for the Pioneer Press, TwinCities.com. So he tweeted out a couple nights ago, since Christmas, the Wolves have the third worst clutch net rating and the second worst clutch offensive rating. So clutch means last five minutes of the game and the score is within five points in either direction. So a close game, last five minutes. And since Christmas, the Wolves are one of the worst clutch time teams in the league. Over that period, Anthony Edwards is four for 15 from the clutch or in the clutch. Cat is four for 15 in the clutch. And Mike Conley's clutch time usage has taken a major dip. And I did my own research on this too. So for the season, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, their net rating per 100 possessions combined is a minus 12 points when, when, when those guys are on the court together in clutch time. So those, I mean, those are the two guys you're going to lean on in those moments to score points. And then they have to get back and play defense too. Yep. And they have not been good cat on the season shoots just 42% in the clutch, just 30% from three in the clutch. Anthony Edwards shooting 49% overall in the clutch, which is good, but 31% from three point range. So they're not knocking down threes. Cat is not shooting uh, well, really at all in the clutch. And yet their usage skyrockets in those moments because you're sort of leaning on the hey, It's a free flowing offense. It's a close game late. Well, guess who's going to ball hog. It's going to be Anthony Edwards. It's going to be Carl Anthony Towns. Meanwhile, Mike Conley's usage dips in those moments. So I guess I say all of this to say, if you're Chris Finch, and your two best young star players are, are worse in the clutch, but their usage is higher. How about we run more set plays? How about Mike Conley is, is maybe a higher usage player in those situations to be an organizer? At some point, I mean, Anthony Edwards is 22 years old, and so there's just going to be a certain level of like feeling it out until he's 25 or 26. He's not going to be lights out in the clutch as a 22-year-old player every night. But if you're Finch, you have to rein some of this stuff in. Those guys clearly aren't able to figure it out on their own, like other veteran tandems. Like, you know, the, I'm trying to think about like Joel Embiid knows what he's doing in the clutch, right? Jokic knows what he's doing in the clutch. These guys don't. They're still trying to figure it out. So if you're, if you're Finch, you probably have to create some more structure for them so that you can go to some things that actually work more often instead of just sort of freelancing it. So I don't know if that, I mean, it's kind of a red flag. It's not a fire him red flag because right. they've been able to overcome it. But it's um, to, to win games, but like it needs to get fixed if they want to make a playoff run, a hundred percent. And you saw, I mean, like, what age is it? Adrian Smith, the Bucks coach, um, who got Adrian Griffin, excuse me, who got fired from the Bucks. Then Doc Rivers has taken over for Milwaukee. Uh, you know that that hire, just in general, from what I get, like that was just a bad hire. Like, and and then the locker room didn't fit. He didn't fit with Dame. There was just like a weird dynamic there. And Finch, you've seen him already get like really pissed off, especially the last few weeks where the Wolves have been playing. Still mostly decent basketball. I know the loss of the Spurs stinks, but I think you would worry that would the locker room turn on him? And I have no indication to suggest that the locker room is getting fed up or getting upset that Chris Finch is so animated and so pissed off in post games. Yeah, I don't think he's lost the locker room. No. At all whatsoever. And I think you even hear, and let's go back to that uh, that Hornets debacle where, yeah, and he did do a 180 the next press conference, kind of saying, I should have praised Cat more, but... He torched that team in the post game, and the players in the locker room were all kind of like, "Yeah, he said the same thing to us, and we pretty much agree." We yeah. were, we were uh, just kind of uh, messing around in that game. So, yeah, and, and 
And they have not, by the way, I don't think they've been playing good basketball for like a month. They've just been kind of coasting in some of these games. They've had defensive lapses. Their offense has been train wrecky. And even during that stretch, I'm trying to see like where the line would be. Like they lost the back-to-back games against the Knicks and the Pelicans. Um, they're still like 500 over this stretch that they're playing pretty bad basketball. So again, some of this, yes, a lot of this stuff needs to get fixed if they're going to make a playoff run. You can't just be bumbling around on offense. You can't be bad in clutch time. Guess what? In the playoffs, you're going to be in a lot of games with four minutes to go that are within five points. And you, you need to know what you're doing in those situations. But like he's not running out in a playoff game, a lineup that includes Jordan McLaughlin, Kyle Anderson, Shake Milton, Rudy Gobert. They will make a trade, I'm sure, for an offensive player. So there's there's a lot that we'll we'll sort of figure out between now and the and the trade deadline here in what a couple weeks. Your aunt cat statistic concerns me the most. Like if you don't get that fixed, you're probably just screwed. And yeah, so like that's that's and and I and that last possession against the Spurs, um, which was mostly on Cat. Uh, I don't know if he didn't see Gobert flash open. Like they're down by one point. I don't think those guys trust anyone. There's a, there was a couple possessions too where, you know, it's like fourth quarter and you've got like three non shooters on the court, or maybe there's a non shooter in the corner. Kyle Anderson on the wing, whatever it may be. Those guys don't shoot those shots. Like Kyle Anderson doesn't shoot those shots. Right. And if, if Shake Milton's in the corner and your cat and you're driving and, and the defender comes off Shake Milton, I see why you don't pass it to him. I, I like cat is trying to process. Yep. I'm defending cat here, I guess. Like I, 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 there's some fatal flaws with cat that we've seen pop up throughout the years. But if you're on the court and Kyle Anderson's in the corner and a defender comes off Kyle to sort of double team you as you're driving is the right play to pass it to Kyle Anderson, who's not going to shoot it? Or is it to just try and get to the rim and maybe get fouled? Like, I, I see the conundrum. It, a lot of this is more of a roster construction conundrum than anything else. If they were to have better shooters in the corners and just better spacing, I think you'd see some better clutch time statistics from a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. But there's literally plays where, like, Rudy Gobert's on the low block. And then there's a non three point shooter in the corner and that defender is sagging off. And now like there's two defenders in the paint plus cats defender. That's that's on him. What's he supposed to do in some of those situations? Yeah. Well, and they have to get, they have to get another guy that can knock down shots. Like, I think that would, I think they become, I think it becomes very difficult to get past um, the first round. Like, I think you could win a first round series with this constructed roster. I don't know that you could get to the conference championship if you don't. Uh, I also would like to say, while I, I agree completely, Chris Finch's job should not be in jeopardy. That's silly at this point. I also would like to sound the panic alarm on one thing, though. I'm growing very concerned about this Mike Conley thing. Hamstrings worry me. Hamstrings and old men worry me more. Um, he is just too important to like be like, oh, that's fine. It's just his importance to this team, and in, in my opinion, on the floor, in uniform, not cheerleading. And this keeps, you know, the, the game that he missed against Charlotte was originally because of what they said was a hamstring problem. Then he missed the next game because he was sick. Then he came back, and now he's on the injury report for tonight's game against OKC because of, of the hamstring again um this worries me 
Well, he's old and yep. they've, they've kind of, I'm sure seen this coming from his career. And once they made that, I mean, when they made that trade, they knew that he wasn't going to be an 82 game, right? 36 minutes a night grinder anymore. So I just wonder, I think number one, just sit him for a few games if needed. I mean, if you need to sit him for two weeks, I'd rather him get the hamstring right now. And mm-hmm. they kind of flounder and play 500 basketball. Because what's the worst that can happen? You sit him, you're unorganized, you're not going to lose every game. Maybe you drop, because right now there's a, there's a one-game gap between the top four teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, you drop. You drop to fourth in the Western Conference. I mean, okay. Is that, that doesn't really matter. Like, if, if at the beginning of the season you would have said, hey, the Wolves are going to be the fourth seed in the Western Conference at the end of the year. They're going to win If 50 you can games. get it right, I'm with you. Just sit him like if it's to. not going to be a pro- if if you can guarantee me that two weeks out gets him right for the rest of of the season, I'm totally with you on this. Yeah, and then is there something via trade? And I agree. Our guy Dane Moore put out a tweet that's 100 percent right. There's a lot of Wolves fans trying to figure out how can we get Tyus Jones to to Minnesota here for the rest of the year. He's an expiring contract, and there's ways to make it work with like matching salaries. If you were to take Shake Milton and Put him next to Wendell Moore or this, but like some team is going to offer a first round pick for a stretch run of Tyus Jones because he's a really good player mm-hmm. and he's been in playoff games. So it, I just, I don't know that there's a path and the Wolves can't trade a first round pick this year. So I don't know that there's a path to getting him because that would be great. Okay. Now you can just play him for 25 minutes and maybe yeah. there's times where they're both on the court at the same time, but it's going to be hard to get him. Um, what else is out there? Could could Monte Morris, we've talked about from the Pistons, he just played his first game with the Pistons like a week ago, and he's had some injury issues this year, but he was with Tim Connolly's Nuggets team for five years as a good combo guard. He's on an expiring contract. But I'm kind of like, I'm on the fence about Kyle Anderson. At his best, which we saw last year, he's one of the top leaders on the team. He's one of the top defenders. He's one of the Swiss Army Knife players that you can play with different lineups. He can he can play point guard if needed. But he just he's not as good as he was a year ago. I don't know if it's the eye injury. He's he's completely irrelevant as an outside shooter now. He's got one of the highest turnover rates. I think the highest turnover rate on the team. He's a huge liability on offense when he's out there. So I don't I don't know that his his adaptability and his Swiss army knifeness and his defense makes up for just how bad the team and the lineup combos are when he's out there offensively. So you're going to have to make a decision on him too. Like, do you trade one of the heart beat pieces of your team right. for something that might fit better and see if that fit can integrate in the last two months of the year. So it's, it's amazing. We're talking about these things that are kind of sideways and kind of wrong with this team right now. But they're 32 and 14 and tied for the one seed in the Western Conference, which is like the big picture of it is holy crap. And even during their, the stretch of their season where they're playing the worst basketball, they're like 500 over the last three weeks. So it's interesting. The good thing is that they are now being, and it's fun, but they're being held to a standard now, too. Like, and, and you know, they should be, but that meltdown, I mean, meltdowns with good teams do cause outrage. Like, ain't nobody talking about the Wilds' meltdown against the Ducks because we just don't think that they're good, which is, you know, which has been the Wolves for years. But I do think it's uh, I think it's a good sign that the basketball uh, community and basketball fans get pissed off now because that at least means that, that they're invested in, and care. And I, you know what? As this team succeeds, I think that there's 
probably going to be more and more of an expectation that if they get beat in seven games in, in the first round for the first time in a long time, that's not going to be good enough. Yeah. So no, they, I think winning a, winning a playoff series kind of feels still like the that's the next step. Just mm-hmm. win a playoff series. It'd be the second time, the second, the second year in franchise history there where they have advanced in the playoffs. Yep. Um, but also like the Thunder got beat by 16 points in Detroit last night. It's January in the NBA right. and things can be weird. Uh, the Thunder also lost games to the Hawks and the Nets a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, even the Nuggets, like the Nuggets have had stretches this season where lately they've been more dialed in, but they've had some weird losses at times. Like they lost at home to the Rockets about a month and a half ago. Um, in fact, they lost back-to-back games to the Rockets. They've lost three games to the Rockets. There you go. I do mean, like... Think, do you think if Charlotte and or San Antonio had just flat-out drilled the, the Wolves by, let's say, 15, that it wouldn't have caused much dismay? It feels like the no, nature would, of the losses... That dismay, too. <laughs> it feels like the nature of the defeats is causing the dismay. Yeah, and it, it, should, it should cause a little bit of dismay. But I think sometimes... We go from like, I don't know if it's just the way that we consume sports now. We go from like, oh, that was a really bad thing. Oh, that's another bad thing to fire somebody. Well, okay. Because well, Milwaukee, because, and there's no comparison there. Declan's exactly right. But that's because, you know, you see, well, the Bucks did it. If yeah. the Bucks did it. But we like, but it also might, we don't know if it's going to work for the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't, it, it shouldn't be the norm that you are a top team in your conference and you fire a coach. There has to be some major behind the scenes rotting. Right. Right. For that to happen. So again, the Wolves are still the number one team in the NBA defensively. That is the thing that they can hang their hat on, as we talked about last week. And they need to iron some of this stuff out with lineup combos and spacing. And they're they're definitely a player short, so they need to iron some of this stuff out. If they go through the trade deadline and don't do anything meaningful, then I think there's some major room for criticism. But Tim Connolly, if we're counting the Gobert trade as a win, which I am, I mean, that Gobert trade has vaulted them to the best defense in the league and the number one seed in the West halfway through year two. He has nailed every single personnel move since he took office less than two years ago. Like every single one and has fleeced a couple teams. What's he going to do now? This is the, and he knows it. Like he knows that this, this mm-hmm. team is a player short. They're a shooter short. Their offense needs a boost. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what his next, what his next move is. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the fact that, that you welcome. have calmed the fears. You've calmed the fear. I was just curious because people were exploding. They were so mad. It was a regular season game. They want the coach fired. Even I don't want the coach fired. So I was yeah. just, I, I felt it was a great time to do a show and to sort of put into context where things stand. Yeah. So macro, Chris Finch, awesome. Micro, Chris Finch, got to fix a couple things. Yeah. And Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, you got to be more organized and and figure out the clutch time stuff. And Mike Conley probably just needs to be running the show a little bit more. Like I always get baffled by these teams. What, what got you to the 10 point lead or what, what got you to your record right now? Ball movement, point guard, organizing certain actions. And then all of a sudden it turns into like Anthony Edwards dribbling the air out of the ball or Carl Anthony Towns taking on a triple team of defenders. Like, okay, you built a 15-point lead. Did you do it by barreling into three defenders for two hours, or did you do it through ball movement and pick-and-roll action? So uh, tell the audience, by the way, if they want to lose some weight this time of year, Judd, where should they turn to? Oh, it's as simple as this. Livia Weight Control Center is going to help you not only drop that weight, 
but you're also going to get the first three months for free. That's right. Three months for free. Imagine going into spring, you're down 15, 20 pounds. You're feeling great. And by the way, they're going to help you keep that weight off. This is a program that works. Sports Dad uh, was on this program a couple of years ago, dropped 40 pounds. Look at that guy on the left, guy on the right. That's that's the same guy. And now they all, they also have brand new medical weight loss options. And this could be a life changer for a lot of folks because it helps to suppress many of the cravings that make weight loss so difficult. Again, three months for free, dropping weight, getting help, and getting your uh, life and your shape back on track. 855-GO-LIVIA, livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. All right, Wolves, Thunder, tonight, Kyle and I will react to that tomorrow on Flagrant Howls, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.